Welcome to the Meal Mentor Podcast. This is episode six in season two. I'm your host, Lindsay Nix-Nixon from GetMealPlans.com, and we're talking with one of our newest members today, and I'm really excited to have her. I think you guys will really be inspired by her and learn a lot from her. I know a lot of our members are always struggling with um, living with a spouse or a child or a partner who's not on board. Well, Bonnie takes it to the whole new level, and she's going to talk about how she just kind of compartmentalizes her her whole life, how she makes it work in her head. And when you hear what she's kind of living with, you're going to be like, okay, I can definitely do this in my situation. So without any more delay, hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi, thank you. Thank you for asking me. I'm really excited to be here. Before we get into the big uh, reveal, is the reason you and I connected was right after you joined Mail Mentor and you're an annual member, you had posted in our private group sharing that you had lost an incredible amount of weight, 142 pounds, which is amazing. But even more amazing is that you are now in your fifth year of maintenance. Yes. And what was cool that I really wanted to talk to you about too was that you basically became an accidental vegetarian and an accidental vegan during your weight loss. You didn't set out for these two things to happen, but it just sort of transpired. So I thought maybe you could tell us about that. Okay. Well, well, what happened back in January of 2010, my office sponsored a wellness program. And, you know, they're, they're a big thing now. They're still relatively mm-hmm. new in my area, you know, five years ago. And I was voluntold that I was going to be a captain of a team. Oh. So that's what happens when you're not in a meeting and then you get assigned something. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I can't embarrass myself, so I have to, you know, do this. So I found a free online tracker, and I just tracked my food and my exercise. And, you know, the first thing I did was just track, just log, so I could get an awareness of how much I really was eating because we're all in denial. You know, those of us that have issues with food, we're in denial mm-hmm. one way or the other, you know, Preach about it. what we eat. Um, so after I logged my food for a little while, I realized that I had some hideous habits and I just started to find substitutes for the things that were, you know, staples for me. And then over time, the benefit to having so much weight to lose is I had a long time to develop Mm -hmm. these habits. So nothing was overnight. And as I cleaned up my diet and one day I realized I I wasn't quite to goal, but I realized that really the only meat that was left in my diet was lunch meat. And that's not really meat anyway. (laughs) That is very true. So I found a substitute. And I actually, um, you're going to laugh at this. We have a garden and I grew spaghetti squash one year. And it was a bumper crop, but I was scared to cook it. So I had one year that all went to waste because I didn't know. I thought it was cool to grow, but I didn't know what to do with it. I love spaghetti squash. So so then I realized I grew it again. and And then I realized I liked it. And that's kind of something I was bringing every single day for lunch. And that's what took the place of my um, my lunch meat. So, you know, and it's just funny. And I just realized, and I've never been somebody to drink like a big glass of milk unless I was chasing down like a little Debbie or, you know, cheesecake mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. So giving up the milk wasn't a problem. Um, and then I guess I was what you uh, would call a lacto-ovo-vegetarian. And then I occasionally had seafood. But the more that I educated myself and the more... Um, you know, movies I watch and the more books I read, then I let go of the fish. And then, of course, like with a lot of us, the hardest thing to kick is cheese. And finally, this year, well, this year, we're in a new year. In 2015, the cheese was gone. And uh, 
yeah, it was funny. I never set out to be a vegetarian. That's just what happened. And now I'm, you know, fully plant based. And and I would say right right now I'm a hundred percent because I'm loving the uh, loving the meal plans. Um, before I did that, I would uh, backslide occasionally because if someone brings chocolate into the house, you know, with me and my my sugar addiction, all of my teeth are sweet teeth. So if anything comes in the house, <laughs> I like that. that. I think sugar, I have all those teeth too. Yeah, if anything comes in the house that has sugar, and I may know that it has dairy, and I may know that it has eggs and oil, but it's chocolate. Right. Um, so depending on how strong I'm feeling at the moment, you know, I'm I'm probably going to eat it. So I just have to not let it be in the house. Or I have my husband, when people like to gift us with candy and baked goods, I have him lock them in his gun safe, which I do not have a combination to, and I do oh, not want it. Oh, that is um, really smart. Yes, or if it's cool weather season, I'll have him keep it in his truck, and I don't go in his truck. I, I have no desire. Um, so those are things I do to protect, or actually probably to protect the junk food from me, to protect me from the sugar. Yeah, and you know, I have recommended that on previous episodes, too. There's been other members who put child locks on the candy cabinet for them, not to keep the kids out, but to keep themselves right, out. Right, And it sounds like I you're kind of doing that in a way. Anything that can slow you down for just a minute or two, then your mind, you might figure out that you're not really hungry and what's really driving you, mm-hmm. but you have to have something that slows you down. Um, so ideally you don't have it in your house. You don't have it around you, but if it's in the house, you have to get creative, you know, whatever works. Yeah. And I also find wrapping things in foil are a really good deterrent too. So that's a really good thing. If you have to have it, you know, I know a lot of our members are moms and so they're like, I can't not have popsicles. You know, my kids will just kill me. And so um, that's how they deal with it. And so, yeah. So since you mentioned your husband, and this was one of the things that was really surprising is like I said early, a lot of our members live with some like spouses who don't eat the same way they do, but it's a whole new degree when your husband is a dairy farmer. Yes, it is. And so (laughs) you live with a dairy farmer and this is a, he's been a dairy farmer forever and his family is a dairy farmer. So when you say that you're really the only one in your family, your community, your whole world, you really, really are. So tell us how you kind of deal with all of that. Again, you know, the more knowledge I got, you know, research and nutrition and then, you know, the animal agriculture side and all of that, my my belief system and stuff has changed. But, you know, we got married a long time ago and, and he was a dairy farmer then and that's what he's going to be the rest of his life. So because I kind of went the polar opposite direction, he respects it and he lets me do, you know, whatever I need to do. He's just not going to adopt this this way of eating. I really do compartmentalize. I have to put it, you know, I don't know how to articulate it. I mean, I still have to cook meat for him. He's not going to eat what I eat. He's not even going to, you know, I could make your recipes and throw in cheese and beef and chicken and whatever. But if it's got anything odd or weird or spicy or, God forbid, tofu or anything <laughs> like that, he's, he's not going to get within 10 feet of it. Um, so, so I'm always going to have the temptation foods around. I'm always going to have the meat around. When, you know, we have family gatherings, I have to bring everything for me that I'm going to eat. And my mom still is trying to give me ham. And I and I actually I actually quit eating pork in 2007. That was like the first thing. And I did oh, do geez, that. Oh, jeez. And she's still trying? Goodness. <laughs> she just doesn't understand. It's not trying to be disrespectful. And it's not trying to be ugly. It's just they just don't get it. 
So they don't have to do things the way I do. I just do what I have to do for Bonnie, and then I take care of my husband and, and do what I need to do for him. Our daughter is grown, so she's on her own and out of the house, and he uh, has no interest in, in eating this way either. So after work today, I stopped by my mom's coming home, and she handed me a plate of brownies and then this really nice coffee cup that my stepsister filled. She took plastic spoons, and she dipped them in chocolate and then stuck a candy cane to the chocolate and let it kind of dry to the spoon. So you use that to stir your coffee or your hot chocolate. Oh, that's so, yeah, it is. It's a neat idea, but it's not stuff that, you know, I But it's also have. something I definitely don't need anyone to ever give me ever, ever, ever. <laughs> right. And then this plate of brownies, and she's like, but these are for your husband. Rice. I'm like, they're for my husband, but they have to ride in the car with me for 20 minutes. And you're going to have to smell them and look at them for that whole 20 minutes. Yeah. But, um, you know, but the thing with, with my husband, you know, it is really challenging. Um, but, you know, he, he gives me my space. But it's but it's an everyday thing. It's an every meal thing. I, I have lost track of the amount of times I have just sat beside him as he has gone through the drive-through, and I, I sit in the car while he's eating his Big Mac or you know chicken nuggets or whatever. And I'm just kind of sit there and I'll check out Facebook or email or do whatever. And you know just you know I have to let him be happy as well because you can't you can't force somebody to like what you like or to do what you do. And I'm the one that changed, not him. But seriously, if I can do you open my freezer and there's like 200 pounds of red meat in my freezer. Oh, my goodness. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's always milk and eggs and sugar and Doritos and, you know, whatever. And, and I just have to, that's just not, it, it's just not for me. I mean, the meat doesn't tempt me. The dairy doesn't tempt me anymore. But again, I've had time. Mm-hmm. Having such a long amount of time to lose the weight, it took 18 months for me to get the weight off to develop the better habits. And then you get stronger. And every time you make a positive choice, you get a little bit stronger. And then if you get a little streak going, you know, like I've had 30 days or whatever without uh, taking his peanut M&Ms, then that's that's a victory. So you got to celebrate. You got to celebrate all the small victories. And I love that how you mentioned, like, if you can just get a streak going, you'll really empower yourself to keep going. Or if you just made one good choice, you've empowered yourself to do it again. I really like, too, that you brought up that your family, like your mother, for example, they just don't get it. It's not disrespectful. It's not unsupportiveness. They just don't understand. And I think that is something we often forget. And I know I did. Um, And I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of times people really just, they don't mean, they're not, it's not malicious. They're not waking up going, I'm going to make it real hard for Bonnie today. They just don't know better. And I, I went through this with my family, like, um... My grandmother, when I was a vegetarian, would be like, oh, I scooped the chicken out of the chicken noodle soup for you, so it's vegetarian. Like, she just didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Like, she didn't yeah. get it. <laughs> like, and she was never going to. There was never going to be a way that I could be like, grandma, it's because of the broth. And she'd be like, wait, it's juice? The juices? Like, <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, like, my stepdad likes to pick on me. And, I, you know, it's, it's good-natured, but my sister did a big brunch on Christmas Day. So I went over to her house, and I walk in the door, and the first thing he does is offer me bacon. And, you know, and then he just kind of chuckles, and I look at him, and I laugh, and, and I'm like, and, and you take how many pills, and what is your cholesterol? I take nothing, and my cholesterol is 129. Leave me alone. You know, and, and, and then we just, that, that's kind of my blanket response to him every time he picks on me and offers me ham or beef or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And you, and it's like you said, you know, your husband's a dairy farmer, you live in a farmland area. So this, it's a really big deal. Like most families, meat is kind of like the center of the family. And that's what they've always been eating. It's what they know. But this is their job. This is their livelihood. This is their passion. This is their industry. It's so much more than just tradition for you, what you're combating. Right. Right. And, And I thought I was doing, you know, I'm doing a better thing. We we get our eggs locally from a little little lady down the road, and she's just one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. And our, our egg consumption has drastically decreased, you know, especially over like the last year when I went fully plant based. So when Tim does go down to get eggs for himself, she's like, "Is Bonnie okay? You know, is everything all right?" I thought I thought I were getting your eggs somewhere else, and he you know he had to explain that I'm just not eating them anymore. And, of course, she's not going to understand either. No, she's not going to understand why you're not going to eat them, yeah. Because there's always a new adventure. <laughs> so one thing um, that you had posted in the group, or maybe it was the forums, I can't remember, that I really appreciated, and this is so true, and I wish I'd have figured it out sooner, is you said that you know what you need to do. You've always known what you need to do. It's been a long process for you. But you realize that it's so much easier to have the support of a group on your side, and especially for you, because you don't have anyone you know, in your neighborhood or in your social circle that's doing what you're doing. So you're really leaning heavily on the Internet, and that's what I I wished I would have realized is that I didn't have to do it alone and to just have a community, even if it was online, just made it so much easier on myself. Right. And, and just, just a little bit that I have experienced, I, guess, I think it was the 19th of December when I signed up uh, initially for the meal plan. But then when I found out I couldn't get to that Facebook group until I did the annual, then I signed you know up for the annual. And now, even if you didn't send me any recipes, I would still pay that fee because I've already gotten so much just from just from reading the post and listening to everybody else having the same struggles as me. Their stories might be just a little bit different, but it's all basically the same thing. We're all just trying to figure out how to make it work, to make it, you know, streamlined so it fits in our family and, and work around all the, the obstacles or challenges, you know, with, with uh, you know, just life. Exactly. And that even for me, I mean, I've been doing this for a really long time and I'm still learning. You guys constantly teach me new tricks, new tips. And sometimes when I'm having a bad day, just reading what other people are saying, what they're going through, I realize I'm not alone in my struggles. I'm not the only one here that's having a hard time or has a hard day. Cause I think when you look online, like even in my own Facebook feed, everything's like super positive. And I'm like, do my friends never have a bad day? Do they never have an off day? Everyone's so happy and I'm not. But then when I go in the group and everyone's being real, I'm like, oh yeah, everyone has a bad day. Everybody's constipated sometimes. Cool. I'm normal. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. Yep. I saw, um, somebody posted on Facebook a while back. Like it was, it was a meme and basically, just reminding you when you're comparing yourself to others and you're looking on Facebook or other social media, you're seeing everybody else's highlight reel, yes. all the exciting things in their life. They're not, they're not post. Most people don't post the, the miserable day to day, you know, if they had a crappy day or there's something really awful going on, you know, on in their life, they tend to keep that in and not share that. So, you know, I don't think that anybody, you know, although I feel vulnerable, you know, sharing my story sometimes, I don't gain anything and nobody else is going to gain anything by me not sharing my struggles. For me going around pretending like this is easy, like there's no challenge, that doesn't serve anybody mm-hmm. and I don't think it's fair. I wish there was some, you know, I wish I had had somebody back in the beginning to help me out. I might have figured things out a little bit quicker, 
mm-hmm. you know, but, but, you know, I'm on the journey I was supposed to be on and I'm where I'm supposed to be right at this moment. And, and, uh, really excited to be talking to you because, I you know, your cookbooks are what really made this transition, you know, work for me. Cause I looked at some, the vegetarian recipes out there are just phenomenal. You read them, your mouth waters, but when they have 50 ingredients <laughs> and I have to drive, I have to drive 30 minutes to get to a, a real big grocery store. Um, and the organic aisle might be eight feet long. Um, you know, I can't find that stuff and I can't order, you know, I can't order fresh fruits and vegetables and different things over the internet. The unique things that were in these recipes and in your book, most things are four, five, six ingredients, take 15, 20 minutes from start to finish and then you're eating and, and I would batch cook and freeze them. And that's really, really what got me through this because I didn't know that it could taste so good. Oh, I, I appreciate you saying that. That makes me feel so special and warm and accomplished. <laughs> yeah, you take you have a big old space on my bookshelf, so the, but there's room for more. So if you write more, <laughs> yeah, no, and I I appreciate you saying that because that's how I felt, and I think you'll you'll get an amusement out of this story. I think more than anyone, but I was living in Los Angeles, which is a very large city, has way more access than someone who lives out on a farm. But I had just become vegan plant-based and I bought a cookbook because I had no idea what I was going to make. I'd been vegetarian for a long time, but basically I just replaced meat with cheese. Um, And also my husband had been doing most of the cooking in our marriage when I was a vegetarian. When we were, when I was an omnivore, he cooked. When I was a vegetarian, he's like, okay. But then when I was like, well, I'm vegan, he's like, I have no idea what to make for you. You're going to have to cook. So now I had to cook for myself if I was going to eat. Didn't know what to do. Got a cookbook. Saw a recipe that sounded delicious. Like you said, reading it, my mouth was watering. And one of the ingredients was pomegranate molasses. I had to, first I had to Google what pomegranate molasses was because I didn't know what pomegranates were or what molasses was, let alone how the two somehow came together. I then, in Los Angeles, drove to, I think it was six or seven different stores looking for this pomegranate molasses. I ended up traveling to some local ethnicity kind of store found the pomegranate molasses I think it was like seven or eight dollars which is more than I would ever pay on a single ingredient I don't even spend that much on a bottle of wine I bought it came home to be fair the recipe was delicious but it wasn't the kind of recipe that I could make all the time because it took so much time and it kind of had a certain taste to it that wasn't every day And so I was like, okay, well, we'll just put that on the back burner for like, I don't know, two weeks from now. Let me see what other recipes I can use for this pomegranate molasses. Not one other recipe in the book used pomegranate molasses. Yeah, that that was my experience. And if you like travel back in time, you know, five years to when I started, you know, the weight loss journey, the only vegetables I consumed were french fries and ketchup. Yep, those are my two. I, I, I could probably even go months without eating like a banana or an apple. And it, if you had told me at that point the way I would be eating today, I would have had you committed because there, <laughs> there was no way. I mean, my breakfast was a Diet Coke. It was sausage gravy and biscuits. And it was um, something called, I was, there was a, there's like a locally owned grocery store um, in our area. And they make something, we call them preacher cookies. You might call them no-bake cookies. I don't know. But they're basically, you know, the cocoa, peanut butter, butter, sugar, and milk, and you cook it in a saucepan, and you just drop them on wax paper. 
Oh, I know and, what and you're talking like, about. Yeah, it's, it's like a no-bake cookie, basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but I would have those with my sausage gravy. That and my Diet Coke, because it's real important to have your diet so right, I was gonna say, you're yeah. eating like that. That's how I remember when I first tried to diet, like, forever ago. I was like, okay, I'll totally get, you know, a cheeseburger with a Diet Coke, because I'm on a diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it makes it all worthwhile. And But I quit the soda in 2009 before, you know... It was late. I think was it my thirty ninth birthday, thirty eight, thirty nine, and I and I quit soda. So that that was my first step because I realized, you know, when I was drinking it, even though it was diet, it only tasted good if I was drinking it with chocolate or Doritos or burgers or you yeah, know it didn't yeah. taste so good just to drink it by itself. So if I stopped drinking that, it would help with the other stuff. And that's really actually, I'm glad you realized that about yourself because I, I don't think a lot of people do, but it's really important that a lot of times we wouldn't even consume something if we weren't consuming something else with it. And so it's often like one bad guy keeps the company of other not so good people. Right. And and I have a problem with tortilla chips. Um, you know, I used to hate salsa. I just, it's a vegetable. I mean, I thought it was disgusting. And now I could, <laughs> now I could drink it. But I use these tortilla chips to just scoop it in. So, and mm-hmm. I could go through a whole bag of chips. And that's why my weight is, you know, up right now. It's emotional eating, but I, it's not like I would slip up and go to Burger King because I don't eat, I really don't eat out and I don't do fast food. And I'm never going to slip up and have a burger because I don't like them. They don't taste good to me. But I could sit there and I could eat a whole bag of tortilla chips, no me problem. Too. So, mm-hmm. so that was one of my rules. I forget, I forget what the post was called that you did that you told people to to make two rules for themselves or two statements. Yeah. It's to create two rules, draw a line in the sand. Like I do not eat, you know, tortilla chips or I do not drink alcohol, something like that. Right. I do not eat or purchase tortilla chips. I do not (laughs) eat or purchase two rules right there. (laughs) Those are my two rules. Yeah, or you can eliminate something. That was another thing I said for the the new year was instead of resolving to do something, resolve not to do something, subtract to lose weight. And so, for example, people be like, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. Well, it's a lot easier to resolve to not eat Chips Ahoy cookies anymore. Like you did with the soda. You resolve not to drink soda anymore. And then you realize, wow, when I don't drink soda, I cut back drastically on my Doritos and cookies and cheeseburgers and all these other things. Right, and I don't know what's in it. I know it's all chemicals, but in the last couple of years, I'd had several surgeries, and, you know, when you're in the hospital and your stomach's upset, they want to give you ginger ale. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, before I made this transition, that ginger ale, I loved it, and it used to taste good to me, and all I tasted was, like, the metal of the can and chemicals. Oh, that's I interesting. Yeah, I couldn't, I can't even, I can't even choke it down. So, so my whole palate, has changed and I hated spicy stuff and and what I do now is I buy stuff that scares me so I see a recipe I'm like okay I hate cabbage okay so I have to make this and I have to try it again (laughs) as a grown woman and see you know if I like it and I have a girlfriend out in California and she saw me post about hating Brussels sprouts because one night I think I was probably eight years old and we had Brussels sprouts for dinner and and this little Bonnie uh, slept at the table because I couldn't leave the table until I ate my Brussels sprouts. So I spent the night at the table. So I, they're like my arch nemesis. So I would never go near a Brussels sprout. <laughs> and Hillary's like, no, 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 I've got a recipe. I swear you've got to try it. And uh, I said, okay, I love you. So I'll try it. But if I don't like it, I'm never eating another one. And I just, <laughs> I just roasted them with balsamic glaze and yes. on mustard. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going to say. If you don't like Brussels sprouts, try roasting them in the oven with Dijon mustard and balsamic and then call me back. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm talking to them like candy. Yeah. Of course, the, 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 only, the only side effect to the Brussels sprouts is when you heat them in the microwave at work. It doesn't smell so great. It smells even like farts. It tastes delicious. Let's just yeah, it smells real. like farts. So people, <laughs> <laughs> so, so people get annoyed with that. So now I try to eat them at home and not not take those specifically in my lunch. But. Oh well, you'll get a kick out of this. So I was working in an office, and my coworkers constantly would cook fish in the microwave, which is so gross. I can't even describe the smell to someone else. So I would purposely take Brussels sprouts and cauliflower and cook them in the microwave and be like, all right, guys, you're going to cook fish, smell farts for the rest of the day. That's awesome. (laughs) That's that's so awesome. (laughs) But that was how I combated their bacon and fish in the microwave. I was like, you're going to do that in the communal thing and make everyone smell it? Here we go. Chicken play at this game. Yeah, my old boss, she, she she would actually, like, wave her hand in front of her face and just make this really big deal. And I was like, I'm so sorry, you know. And then she would get air freshener and walk <laughs> around and, and spray the Febreze. And I'm like, it's vegetables. It's okay. It's not that but, bad. It's so funny. When you, were saying that, when you were about to say the downside of cabbage, I was actually going to say that it makes you fart up. But, you know, well, we just recircled back to the farts again. <laughs> yeah, but it does. I mean, doesn't it all boil down to, yeah. to that? But but that's yeah, okay. that's true. I know. I love that though. And it's really true because I remember before I started eating a plant-based diet, I would cry at restaurants because I would feel like there was nothing I wanted to eat and I would eat anything. I was an omnivore and um, I just, there were so many foods I didn't like. And now I actually eat a way bigger variety than I ever did then. And I like a whole lot more foods. Like I hated onions like onions. I hated mushrooms, like mushrooms. I hated anything that was really spicy, love hot sauce now, didn't like garlic. I mean, there were so many things that I didn't like, but like you, I was like, okay, I got to expand. I can't just keep eating rice and beans. Like I got to try a new bean, a new rice, a new vegetable, new fruit. And I have found flavors and spices and cuisines I never would have tried. And they're so delicious. I can't believe I lived without them at all to begin with. I know. And I developed a taste for heat. So and, and I never would have thought that, especially because I hated salsa. But I don't want to be in pain when I eat something that's hot. Yeah, yeah, right. But it's okay. But it's okay if I cry a little bit, maybe my <laughs> nose burns a little bit. And and I never, I mean, and my palate has adjusted, so I have a pretty high tolerance for heat. So when I make something and ask my husband to, to like, taste it, he'll he'll choke, um, you know, on the smell before it even gets to him. Um, and, and <laughs> I know so what you're I talking just, about, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just there. But, yeah, I just – I try things that scare me. And, like, last week I bought – I think I posted I bought a giant bag of carrots because it was a good price. And I'm like, okay, if I have them, I'm on a budget. I'm not going to waste them. I'm going to use them. So – and I made the um, the cauliflower – I think cauliflower tostadas. Is that the name? The enchiladas, whatever. It was in, like, the last week meal plan. Mm-hmm. I made those the other night, and I had that for breakfast, and I also had it for dinner. And I was like, well, that's pretty good. I've never done that with cauliflower. So there's, <laughs> I just keep trying new things. And then if you try it as an adult, and, and really you have to have it a couple times because if someone's starting out new to this and they're still maybe even 50-50 going back and forth with eating the processed foods, their palate is going to be so different. That's and so true. Like, I used to like my almonds with a thick layer of chocolate, <laughs> and now I like them raw. <laughs> And I can actually taste that they're sweet. 
but before this journey I've been on, I would have never been able to taste the sweetness and the subtleties in these different foods. So people, you know, if like like you say, you know, in your little intro to the to the meal plan where you're talking about just give your palate time, mm-hmm. you really have to, especially if you've been eating like a fully processed diet, even if you were uh, a vegetarian or you know, already a vegan, but you were a junk food vegan, if you're still eating all that processed stuff, your palate is going to take a little bit of time to adjust. But you will get there because I'm telling you, for someone who never touched a vegetable, my sister told me growing up the only vegetable I ate was a green M&M. <laughs> and, uh, or the, you know, the only green thing. they I mean, never, even as a kid. But you can learn to like stuff, even stuff you detested. If I can make peace with Brussels sprouts, then everybody else, they can they can make peace with whatever you know, food scares them or, you know, maybe they had a traumatic childhood event like I did, but you can get over it. Yeah, I actually had the same um, traumatic childhood event as you with peas, except I wasn't quite as stubborn as you where I would have just spent the night at the dinner table. I finally was like, fine, I'm going to eat the whole bowl of peas. And then I threw up peas and it it was green pea for, it was bad. But I eat peas now. So like you said, I made my peas. Well, I, even if they're mixed in stuff, I still won't pick up one, like a pea pot of peas or even like the sugar peas and eat it yet, but I keep trying. Yeah, I'm well, I, I pretty much, like you said, I'll eat them in things. Like we did a samosa potato dish um, around Christmas time, and I love them in there, but, and sometimes I'll do the pea guacamole, but I don't, yeah, I don't just eat a bowl of peas. But like, it's, it's a leap year from when I wouldn't eat them at all. <laughs> you know, there was a whole period of my life where I didn't, eat. yeah, it's so funny, like I, um, I can remember when I was a kid seeing all these greens on the salad bar. And I remember asking my mom, like, can you eat those? And she's like, no, they're just decoration. And it was like all of the kale and all these greens that I eat now. And I'm just like, that's so funny how life works itself out. (laughs) It is. And, And, you know, and when I grew up, my mom, I mean, she was for most of the time we grew up, me and my sister, she was a single mom. And she was working, you know, a very stressful job and, and more than a full-time job. And so we did a lot of happy meals mm. growing up and, and TV dinners and the foil trays and all of that stuff. And that's, that's the palate. That's how I grew up, you know. Right. And I never, I never had a weight issue till actually till I became, you know, pregnant with my daughter. And, and I was actually a smoker when I was a teenager and into my early 20s. And the day I found out I was pregnant, I put down the cigarettes. Never had an issue with tobacco again, but I gained a hundred pounds because oh, wow. I never, I never had an issue with withdrawal with tobacco because I was keeping my mouth full of everything else. And yep. you know, so and a lot of people who pre- quit smoking do gain weight, and I think it's like you said, they just put other foods in their mouth. Right, and again, it, it's who I was around and the way I was living and the, the type of lifestyle. It was sedentary. You know, now I'm really active, but back then. The only exercise I would get would be walking to the refrigerator or walking to the mailbox or, you know, pushing the mm-hmm. cart around the grocery store. And that, that was the extent of it. And now, you know, now I'm a runner and I work out, you know, pretty much every day. And, and uh, I look forward to it, um, which is, you know, I, like I said, if I could go back in time and look at this person now, I would think I had been snatched by aliens and they did something <laughs> awful. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, there's, you couldn't have paid me. I would have never believed. I would have never believed it. So. So it's possible is what we're telling everyone. If she can do it, you can do it. Yes, yes. I know people say that all the time, but I swear you guys just have no idea how much I detested vegetables, uh, just in how much I'm addicted to sugar. 
anything sweet. It doesn't matter. I can find something. I can make something healthy, bad, you know, by mm-hmm. doctoring it up, you know, if I'm in a weak moment. But if I can do it, anybody really can. And they just have to, they have to believe in themselves and they have to start. You have to start and just left foot, right foot. If that's all you can do, don't even think about tomorrow. Just left foot, right foot. Do one thing, you know, make, make one decision, make one recipe. If a recipe's too much, just go buy one new fruit or vegetable that you think you don't like or that scares you because it's kind of weird because it's not, you know, a potato. Um, just do it and start there. And, and you'll get a little snowball going and you'll get there. I love that. I love it. It's such good advice too. It's like you said, just take it. And I'll, I think that's a lot of people is they feel really overwhelmed because they feel like they have to go from like zero to a hundred. And it's like, no, you don't, you can go to zero to one. If that's too much, go to zero, do 0. 0.25. <laughs> like you just, right, right. Do, just start it, start that snowball. Yep. So one thing I, um, well, there's so much about you that's so incredibly inspiring, but one thing that has really inspired me about you and talking with you on this podcast and also being, you know, with you in the group and stuff is how insightful you are to yourself. Like you are very honest that like I am an emotional eater. You are very honest that you struggle with a sugar addiction. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't want to do. Like we don't, I know I didn't, I didn't want to admit I was weak. I didn't want to admit that brownies, a freaking thing like brownies, some stupid brown food had so much power and control over me. But let me tell you, when I finally said that out loud and I accepted it, the brownies like lost a lot of their strength. Like I got stronger and I wanted to see if you've kind of had that experience because you are so affirmative and honest. You know, it, it depends on what's going, going on in my life. Um, to just, to just be completely honest, you know, sometimes if I've got, you know, if I've got a good streak of eating well and, and I've had time to cook and I have the food there, which is very important mm-hmm. because you think you don't have time to batch cook and you come home hungry and you walk in the door and you are never going to make a healthy choice, not when you're hungry, not when the dogs need to be walked and the litter boxes need to be scooped and you got to do dishes and whatever. There's just too much, so you're going to grab something easy. So I tried not to bring stuff in the house that I know is going to be my downfall, and that is going to be chips, any kind of candy. Um, my husband, pumpkin pie is like his favorite fruit. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's what he wants. And you'll buy a pie and he'll cut it in half. Maybe he'll cut it in four and in, in, in four pieces. Then his pie is done. And I watched that and I'm like, I know that tastes so good. And then he puts Cool Whip on top. And I was like, but no, that's going to make me feel awful after I eat it. You know, I'm like, hurry up and eat this shit. Or I'm going to throw it away. <laughs> you know? But I mean, and there's times where I brought something in home and I started eating it and I know I'm going to eat the whole pan of, you know, insert name of favorite sweet food, whatever it is, and then I'll go dump it in the trash can. And then to keep myself from digging it out of the trash can, I'll go get the cat litter, scoop it, and drop it on top. Oh, to that's me brilliant. Whatever it takes. I mean, just because you've started into your bad choice, whatever that m- might be for you, you can stop. And, and only you know what, what it is you need to do to stop. Mm-hmm. I had to one time, I changed departments. I work at a state university, and I changed departments actually back in uh, September. And what I did before the department I, I left had food days a lot, so there was always stuff sitting out. And we had one time there was like fudge and chocolate cookies, and I just told myself that was poop. I'm like, it's feces. You're not going to eat feces. <laughs> it, it was a mind game that I had to play with myself to keep me away from that table. Now, I didn't tell people that's what I was thinking, 
But what I would say to them is, tell me how nasty that is. Tell me how awful. Tell me it's gross, disgusting. And they would do it, and they would laugh. But, you know, whatever you have to do, everybody has to come up with their own little tricks to get through the situations. It's funny that you suggested poop and cat litter, because one thing I tell the members all the time is if they have lost control or they feel like they're losing control or they're like wanting to eat, but they just had dinner. So they know they can't possibly be hungry and have a nutritional biological need. I tell them to go clean the toilet and they all think I'm funny. But then when they finally do it, they're like, that worked so well. And I'm like, yeah, it does go walk your dog because as soon as you pick up poop or you clean your own toilet, magically, you don't want to eat anymore. Yep. It's a fabulous idea. And also, some people brush their teeth a lot, too. I am not deterred by the minty taste in my mouth, but um, if me that either. is a deterrent for you, great. But for me, I'm like, it's like having a candy cane on top. Yes. Yeah, it, it doesn't <laughs> work for me. And I happen to like candy canes a whole lot. So I was very proud of myself this year for Christmas. It was the first year I put candy canes on the tree. I always did as a kid. My mom would let me decorate the tree with candy canes. But as an adult, I never had them because I was afraid I would eat them. And I'm this whole year, um, there was, I think, 18 in the box. And when I put the tree away, there were still 18 candy canes on the tree. My husband didn't eat one either. So I put them in the box and I took them to the homeless shelter. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. And so I was like, congratulations. Thank you. And so I was like really proud of myself. I was like, yeah, <laughs> first year success. <laughs> but like you said, now I feel really empowered. I feel like I did that so I can do it again and I can do it one more day. And it, so that's why I really liked what you said, because it is just getting that first success, even if it's a small one, like not eating the candy canes within the hour that I bought them from the store was my first success. It was my first part of that snowball. Right. And sometimes when you have so much going on, you can get, or at least, at least with me, I can get paralyzed and just sit and do nothing because I'm so overwhelmed and it can take me a while to get out of that headspace. So, so you just literally have to take one step. If you're someone who exercises a lot and something happened and you binged and gained 10 pounds and you haven't gone outside for two weeks or whatever and you just feel like you've screwed everything up and, you know, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't have to do that. Just stand up, walk outside, just make one good choice, then get you some momentum going. Yes, um, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier that you're a runner now and you weren't really an exerciser before. Can you tell us kind of about that? And do you have any advice for someone who is ready to get more exercise than just walking to the fridge? Yes, you have to start. You have to start. Um, I remember <laughs> when I was at my heaviest, just walking, like going to Lowe's, like Lowe's or Home Depot, um, with my husband and the stuff he likes to do and his, his hobbies and things. Those are places we shop frequently. Just walking from the front of the store to the bathroom, I would be out of breath and I would be sweating. I couldn't bend over and tie my shoes because I had too much belly in the way to get to my feet without without cutting off my breath. So that's where I started from. And backing up to when I started this journey, you know, this wellness program, I had a girlfriend I worked with, and then we were walking. And we were at a park, and one day she's like, well, hey, let's run. Let's, let's see if we can run. And I'm like, sure, I'm 280 pounds. Let me run. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, ran, I ran like 50 yards and I thought I broke my feet and my lungs were on fire. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm dying, Heather. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't do this. And uh, then we were just walking and, and we 
just kept increasing our walking, and then she actually got stress fractures, I guess, that April in her in her feet, mm. and she had to stop working out. So that was a pivotal time for me because I could have just quit. Mm-hmm. You, didn't have your, quit. you didn't have your accountability buddy anymore. Yeah, right. I lost my buddy, and I lost, you know, you know, also, you know, for safety concerns, some of the times we were walking, the trail where we would go, there wasn't a lot of traffic on it, but I stuck with it. And I did that Couch to 5K program, and then I started, when I really started running and doing that Couch to 5K, I was 270 pounds. And I did have a treadmill in the house, and it stopped being a place to hang dirty clothes, and I actually started <laughs> using it. And I remember when I ran a whole mile for the first time. Oh, but that was I, amazing. I, I, I looked like Rocky. I jumped up and down like I was on those steps with him, and I was hollering, and my husband's like, are you okay? I was like... Yes, yes, yes. I just ran a mile. Even when I was skinny and in school, I could never do the mile. But but I smoked in school, so that probably had, you know, a lot to do with it. But, uh, you know, now I've run four half marathons, um, wow. about 35, 35 races, and I actually got a message from one of my best friends out in Texas today, and she was like, how about we do your first marathon this November. And I'm not sure she's got my date of birth. She may have already signed me up for the marathon without <laughs> telling me because that's how she rolls. But um, but I've done, I do really good with distance. I'm not fast, but I think, you know, starting running and doing something, I definitely, I mean, I had trouble just walking um, mm-hmm. before. Now I can go out and I can run four, five, six miles and have it not be a problem. I've done um, three of those uh, Ragnar relays, the 200-mile road races. Oh, right, right. And the first one I did was in San Diego, so I actually knew, um, connected that website that I used to track my food. I made a couple friends through that, and I got a random email from one of them inviting me to do a race out in San Diego. I had expressed interest in doing one initially with them, the first team they put together, but they filled that team. So I went and did this other one, and everybody was a stranger to me, and and I hadn't been on a plane for 17 years, you know. So I flew all the way across the country to meet all these strangers, and I was going to ride around in vans and sleep with them and share beds and do all this, and, <laughs> and, and and they're the best friends ever, and and they're so it's addictive the camaraderie, and you know I found it in in running. Other people may find it in a quilting bee or you know in a painting class or at a yoga studio or whatever, but but you find your tribe, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you uh, take care of yourself and you eat well and you get yourself to a healthy place, whatever that looks like for you, then you start attracting good things. I agree totally. It really, the more I've gotten healthy in my life, whether it's with my, my health in the sense of like my weight and my physical abilities, but even just I struggled with depression for a long time. And I realized as I was coming out of my depression, I started making friends that were a positive influence in my life. And I never realized how often when I was before, how many people in my life maybe weren't the best, healthiest people for me to be around. But now, like you said, I'm attracting and meeting more and more people who share my ideas and ideals and are also trying to live a happy, healthy life. Right. And and it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you're, if you're down on yourself and you're not taking care of yourself and you're and you're not, um, you know, motivated for whatever reason, then you're going to go towards people who allow, who, who help enable you in those behaviors. And then when you are taking care of yourself and you're on your healthy path, 
then then it is painful because I did lose relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just going to happen. And it's not, as much as it hurts, people need to realize it's not a personal thing. But But what happens is they're not upset with you for changing, but you're like a mirror. So they're looking and they know that they're capable of making the healthy changes that you're making, but mentally they're not in that space Mm -hmm. that they're ready for that journey. So they pull back from you or some might be negative towards you or some might bring you a cheesecake or, you know, (laughs) whatever. They react in different ways, but I've over time replaced, you know, those friendships with people who help lift me up and we lift each other up. And unfortunately for me, most of my good friends live in other time zones and I'm not independently wealthy. So we have to keep in touch through phone calls and email and Facebook because I can't see them that much. Well, you'll have uh, to let me know if you run in San Diego because I'm pretty close to San Diego and I'd love to see you do it. Oh, yeah, I'll be back. I actually, Tim and I went out this summer to visit one of my girlfriends in uh, San Luis Obispo. Oh, beautiful. And we did, um, they had a, a slow triathlon. It's just like a sprint triathlon, and I, I did the running part, and, you know, Hillary did the cycling, and her sister did the swimming, but that was a lot of fun, uh, but she took me all over. We went all over Northern California. We went to Big Sur and went hiking, and we went to Pismo wow. Beach and, and saw the elephant seals and went to Hearst Castle, so we she was the best tour guide in the world. And, Sounds uh, like an amazing had, trip. I want to go. <laughs> it was. It was. But, um, yeah, I'll definitely let you know if I'm coming back out that way. I know I will. I just don't know how soon. Yeah, well, have your before headquarters, the whole team. I think we, we'd go see. And actually, a lot of members are in Southern California and San Diego. So you might have a very large cheering crowd. <laughs> Yay! That'd be awesome. Yeah, a lot of fun. I actually considered running the LA Marathon this year, but my travel schedule made it impossible for me to train. So yeah. sometime in the future, I will run that marathon because it seems like a lot of fun. Well, it's been amazing having you on the podcast, and um, you've given so much inspiring talk and so many I love the realness and the honesty but you've also given some really good tips mainly everyone just start and if she can do it you can do it but before we end real quick I know when you were emailing with each other earlier you told me that you had quite a bit of kitties but you assured me you weren't a hoarder so I thought maybe you could just tell us real quick about all of your rescues oh right right I started back in 1998 when I had been living in Maryland and I moved back to Virginia where I where I spent most of my years growing up and friend of mine wanted to go adopt a puppy so we went to a local animal shelter and once I got there then then I was a goner so Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know I started I started volunteering there and then I've always had a full-time job and I was a single mom for the majority of my daughter's childhood and uh, then the shelter was actually looking for some part-time help so then on the weekends I would go there and clean kennels and stuff for extra money and then they had, um, you know, an assistant manager position come open for a while. So I'm still working a regular 40-hour-a-week job and doing that. Then they had an apartment above the shelter come open. So we rented that apartment and oh, lived wow. above the shelter. Yeah, so whenever there was bad weather or something, it was my our responsibility to take care of all the cats and dogs in the shelter. And, um, you know, we have a lot of failed fosters. I've tried to foster. It doesn't work because we fall in love and they never, <laughs> they never go. They never leave. But, uh, you know, over the course of the years, we've had, had a lot of dogs. And right now we have two, two rescue dogs. They're both about 70 pounds and, and, uh, one's a pit mix and the other is probably mostly lab, but he's Heinz 57. We really, we really don't know. And, uh, we do have 10 cats and, and they're all in ages from, 
nine now to almost 17. And uh, we had lost our oldest cat uh, last December, and he, he passed at 19 and a half years old. Oh, wow. Um, that, you but, were, that's a long life. Right. How, and, you and were very blessed, actually, yes. And that's a, that tells you how good. You're, he just loved his love and life and care so much, he just had to hang on forever. Yeah, and, and he, he just, his name was Parker. He was awesome. But one of our cats has uh, the equivalent of lupus. We have another cat that has asthma. I have one cat that has three legs, and he was actually born that way. Wow! Without 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 a front leg, his name's Domino. Um, that but, is really uh, yeah, cute and like tragically like ironic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he's a black and white cat, so I thought <laughs> I thought it was a really good name. And uh, you know, so so just a variety. They're all they're all little pains in the butt sometimes, but you know we love them. And my husband's actually more of a cat person than me. I'm more of a dog person, but we love them all. But they, they, and they love him because he comes home from the farm with all those farm smells. So that draws the cats to him. Oh like a yeah, magnet. I bet the cats really mm-hmm. dig that smell. Yeah, that makes yeah, total that, sense. Like I, they must think he's like, oh yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you get your yeah. second fiddle when he comes home. Yeah, and and that's okay. But me and the dogs will hang out. It's all right. Well, I think it's amazing, and I love hearing about people rescuing animals and taking in fosters, especially animals that are have special needs, as you said, like one of them is lupus and things like that. So that's amazing. And I'm sure the animals feel very lucky that you've adopted all of them, made them part of your family. Um, and again, like I said, you're so inspiring and amazing. I loved having you on the podcast. Thank you for everything you, you're you doing for the community. I know you're extremely active. And so if you're in the forums or in the group, please say hi to Bonnie. Actually, she'll probably say hi to you because she's just so full of life and happy. And if you want to learn yeah. more about the meal plans in our community, visit getmealplans.com. And thank you for listening. Thanks again, Bonnie, for coming on and being so real and genuine and just awesome. You are so awesome. I wish I could hug you right now. So I hope we meet in um, California. Me too. Well, thank, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really just... glad you did it. And um, I'm glad we were able to connect. And um, if you enjoyed the podcast, please consider leaving a rating because reviews and ratings really help with the podcast and it also helps get our message out. So thanks for listening and have a great night.